Our gospel lesson for this day comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and I invite us to listen for the Word of God speaking to us this day. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what has been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he named him Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have y'all ever noticed that we don't really talk about Joseph? I mean, he's the man who helped raise Jesus. But the stories of Scripture actually say very, very little about him. Mary happens to pull all of the attention. Artists throughout the centuries have pictured Mary as a serene, beautiful young girl and placed her at the center of the Christmas drama. There are countless famous representations of Madonna and Child, but few, if any, portraits of father and son. When we think about our annual Christmas pageants, even the angels, shepherds, and wise men get more attention than Joseph. When I was directing pageants, all of the boys wanted to be Joseph because they had, didn't have to do anything but stand there. In some Christmas pageants, Joseph doesn't even get a speaking part. He is literally just standing there, nothing. This situation is due in part to the fact that our Christmas celebrations are shaped by Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. Even the Peanuts Christmas holiday focused around Luke. Luke makes Mary the central figure of the story. And don't get me wrong, rightfully so. Men do very little in the birthing process. I understand that as a father of three. But come on! He helped raise Jesus. He should get some attention. Luke does an amazing job of drawing us this beautiful, picture-perfect image of the birth of Jesus. 
One that just settles in our souls and helps us to fully realize and envision in our heads what it was like when Jesus was born into the world. Matthew, Matthew takes a little bit different approach. In Matthew, there is no visit from an angel, though in a dream, he gets visited by an angel. There is no decree from a Roman emperor. There is no trip to Bethlehem. There is no census. There is no inn. There is no manger. Here in Matthew, we get a little glimpse of Joseph. Of course, after the passage, just like all the other Gospels, he disappears again. But we get this little gift of Joseph right here. We get an idea of what is going on in Joseph's head. The major similarity between Matthew and Luke's birth narratives that I see is the very human reaction of the expectant parents and the divine response. Both Mary and Joseph are fearful. And in both Gospels, we see this command. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. In Luke, these words are spoken by the angel Gabriel to Mary before she is told that she is going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine being Mary, being told you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I would be terrified. In Matthew, these same words are delivered to Joseph by an angel of the Lord in a dream. Do not be afraid, Joseph. But why would Joseph be fearful? He wasn't the teenage girl about to endure the judgment of all of those in her community. He wasn't the teenage girl who was about to become the grist for the rumor mill. He wasn't the teenage girl who was going to fear for her life because as the custom dictated at the time, she could be stoned for infidelity. What did Joseph have to fear? I'm from the South, and one of the things that we always said was, who are your people? Well, everyone knew who Joseph's people were. He was a descendant of the house of David, the revered king of Israel. What did Joseph have to fear? The biblical tradition tells us that Joseph was a carpenter, a tradesperson, which would have put him squarely in the middle class of his time and local economy. So he could take care of himself. He had skills that he could offer to others. He was engaged to be married. So while Mary was still living in her father's house, Joseph was established enough, at least, to have his own home and enough respect in the community to have a marriage arranged for him? What did he have to fear? Well, I don't know this for sure, 
Maybe Joseph was afraid of the reflected notoriety. Maybe Joseph was afraid of the unwanted attention that would come with having his betrothed mysteriously become pregnant before they were married and living together. Maybe he was afraid that people were going to look at him with that pity in their eyes. That people might think that he has had his own dignity diminished in some way. All of which would have been a huge challenge to the mindset of masculinity that dominated that time period. Unfortunately, I am concerned that too many men today still worry about such things, that the fragile male ego hasn't really evolved all that much. But whatever it was that scared Joseph back at that time, Matthew here makes it clear that it was enough. It was enough for him to become resolved to break the engagement. Scripture tells us that Joseph is a righteous man. Now, that phrase, he was a righteous man, could have been understood in a few different ways in accordance with the cultural expectations of the time. Righteousness, in the strictest sense of the word, would have expected Joseph to parade Mary in front of the community so that she could be stoned on the steps of her father's house. But Joseph, Joseph must have had a good rabbi because he understood that the heart of the law, the heart of righteousness, is mercy. So instead of punishing Mary, he decides to break the engagement quietly. Over here, off to the side, he wants to spare Mary the public disgrace. And it is at that moment, that moment when he makes that thoughtful decision, that the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Do not be afraid. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you should name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. The Lord tells Joseph to step forward. To step forward without fear into a new role that he was not expecting, into a new responsibility so that the Lord's prophecy could be fulfilled and Emmanuel, God is with us, could enter into the world. In telling the story in this way, I think Matthew is saying something profound. Like I have said in Luke, the angel Gabriel goes directly to Mary, the person at the center of the unfolding drama. But here in Matthew, the Lord goes to the supporting character, the one that we have all acknowledged doesn't even have a speaking line. The Lord goes to the supporting character to make it clear that he has a crucial role 
He has a crucial role in birthing the good news of God's prophecy, the good news of God's reality into the world. Here in Matthew, the Lord goes to the man, to the man who comes from a recognizable family line. The Lord goes to the man with a good job and a steady income. The Lord goes to the man, to the one who has any measure of power and privilege that society might bestow upon people. The Lord goes to this man, this righteous man, and says, don't be afraid to risk what you have. Don't be afraid to stand by this woman and this child. Don't be afraid of the change. Don't be afraid to let go of the entitlements that you thought you would enjoy and expect in this moment. Don't be afraid. Because you, you, Joseph, have a crucial part of birthing Emmanuel into the world. Recently, I was listening to a podcast hosted by a professor of Bible at Hendricks College and a Jewish biblical scholar. It's a great team. They get together and they talk about the passages that preachers are going to be preaching. Excellent tool for us to get wonderful background. During this podcast about today's passage, Amy Robertson, the Jewish member of the team, shared an interesting insight. Joseph, being a good Jew, she could relate to him. She said, there is a Hebrew word that is also a Hebrew mindset. The word is anava, which is translated as humility. But it's not a humility that assumes you have to make yourself smaller and less. Anava assumes that you have to know when to be bigger and when to dial it back. When to participate and when to create space for others. Anava asks you to understand and appreciate what is your God-given role in this place at this time and in each situation. Anava is a balancing act between honoring who you are and honoring what is going on around you. She goes on to say that here in Matthew, she sees in Joseph an active sense of anava. In the world at that time, it would be natural for Joseph to think of his engagement, wedding, and family life are going to unfold in a certain way. But instead... Because of that tricky Holy Spirit, that is not going to be the case. And instead of reacting the way that society around him would expect, he is asked to step into another role. He is asked to step into fatherhood of a child that is not his. He doesn't get to walk away. He doesn't get to ignore the situation. He doesn't get to be totally passive and pretend like it isn't happening. 
anava fills him. And he recognizes that he has a role here that he has to step into. He has a role that the Lord needs him to step into so that Emmanuel, God is with us, can come into the world. And he, he does it. Joseph, this man of his time, does it. We really should hear more about Joseph. Because Joseph is needed in a very real and important way for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Through Joseph, Jesus is integrated and grafted into the lineage of David in a very practical, life-giving and life-saving way, Joseph lends his credibility and stability to Mary, a teenage girl found to be pregnant out of wedlock. He does that so that God's miracle may be born into the world. Matthew's version of this story is profound for us as we make our way to Christmas morning to worship and adore the promised child, the birth of the Prince of Peace, our Emmanuel. God came into the world so long ago, but God's voice, God's love continues to be born into the world each day. Born into the world in the lives of everyday people. Born into the lives of young teenage girls. Born into the lives of communities of color that are plagued by crime and poverty and systemic racism. Born into the lives of members of the LGBTQ community. Born into the lives of each one of us sitting right here in these pews. God's love comes into the world to challenge the structures and systems that marginalize God's people and keep us living separate one from another. That keep us marginalized. God's love comes into the world born anew each and every day to bring us together and to live into the fullness of the grace and peace and love that God intends. To those at the center of these realities, those on the margins who are scared and fearful, God comes and says, do not be afraid. For I am about to do a new thing. In you, my love will rise and give voice to peace and justice for all people. And in the same way, just as an angel of the Lord did with Joseph, God will come to us and say, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to let go of the way things have always been. Do not be afraid to stand with God's children. Do not be afraid to listen to voices that have been long silenced. 
Do not be afraid to amplify the voices of others who need to be heard. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for you. Look around. You will help bring forth the justice and righteousness this world so desperately needs. Do not be afraid. We don't have enough examples of people using their own power and privilege to do this important work today. We don't because it's risky. It's scary. But recently the world saw a beautiful example of someone standing in the mold of Joseph. Someone with a measure of power exhibiting a profound sense of anava. And it was Lizzo. Lizzo, a plus-size hip-hop superstar who I love. She is a classically trained flautist who regularly raps and sings and dances and plays the flute, the flute, to the delight of fans all over the world. She embraces this radical sense of body positivity and helps people to see themselves in an industry and in a world that is hyper-focused on and rewards people for looking and fitting into a very specific mold. Well, recently, Lizzo, this plus-size megastar, was recognized by the People's Choice Awards, which, for her impact on music and television, as well as her commitment to championing diversity and inclusion. So I invite us, just briefly, to watch a moment of her acceptance speech. So, I'm going to be honest, when I first heard about this award, I was on the fence about whether I should accept because if I'm the people's champ, I don't need a trophy for championing people. You know what I'm saying? I'm here tonight because to be an icon isn't about how long you've had your platform. Being an icon is what you do with that platform. And... And ever since the beginning of my career, I've used my platform to amplify marginalized voices. So tonight, I am sharing this honor. Make some noise for the people, y'all. These are all activists and people that I think deserve this spotlight. Make some noise for them right now. Yes, thank you. This is Mari Copany, better known as Little Miss Flint. She spent the past eight years fighting to ensure everyone in Flint and in communities across the nation has access to safe drinking water. She's only 15 years old. This is Shirley Raines. Through her organization, Beauty to the Streets, she makes the human connection with the unhoused people of Los Angeles and makes them feel loved and love what they see in the mirror. Make some noise. This is Yasmin Aker. She's an Iranian-American grassroots activist. She is a voice for the voiceless and works with various organizations supporting the Iranian women and people's fight for freedom and democracy. 
This is Emiliana Guerreca. And if you've been to a women's march, she's probably behind it. As the founder of the Women's March Foundation, she helped amplify our voices. She talks fast, right? Woo! She talks fast. But she's amazing. In a moment when most people would allow themselves to be feted and celebrated and make it all about her, she turns it on its head and she makes it a platform for so many others. In total, Lizzo shares the names and stories of 17 women who are creating change in their communities and in the world. A wonderfully diverse representation of the amazing work that is happening in the world. The amazing work of everyday people. The very first person she listed is a teenager in Flint, Michigan, who continues to work to create safe drinking water for her community. And then down the line, amazing women doing amazing things. She, Lizzo, amplifies the work of peoples who have been long silenced and ignored and are in their own ways working to usher in God's love each and every day. In her acceptance speech, Lizzo said, being an icon isn't about what you've had, how long you've had your platform. Being an icon is about what you do with that platform. In the same way, here in Matthew, the Lord is saying to Joseph and to each of us, it's not about how righteous we are. It's about how our righteousness and faith inspires and helps usher in the love and grace of God in the world around us. It is not about how righteous we are. It is about how our righteousness and faith helps usher in the love and grace of God in the world around us. Friends, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. In the story of Mary and Joseph, we are reminded that often the work of God arises from the most unexpected yet common places. We are called to recognize the work of God in the world and to realize that we have a part to play in bringing it forward. We have a part to play in bringing it forward. Do not be afraid. It is safe to assume that recognizing the coming of God into the world will require much of us. But it will also enable much by us. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to risk what you have. Do not be afraid to stand with the marginalized and powerless. Do not be afraid to listen to voices that you have never heard before. Do not be afraid of the change that might come into the world. Do not be afraid to let go of the entitlements that we might be enjoying in this moment. Do not 
be afraid. For the power of God comes into the world. Emmanuel, God is with us in a baby named Jesus so that people everywhere might be saved from our sins. And you are a crucial part of that work. We, together, are a crucial part of that work. Oh Lord, may it be so. And may each of us, all of us, be conduits of that grace and peace and love and joy each and every day. Amen.